coming up. Mary Jo goes for a day six drive with Walt. That's next. <laughs> From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. the Design Punk Disneyland Edition, episode 612, for the week of September 18, 2016. The Design Plug Disneyland Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan the perfect Disneyland vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I am your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by my good friends Nancy Johnson. Calling shotgun on this road trip. There, there you go. Mary jo- <laughs> nice. Mary Jo Mulatto Willie. Hello. And Michael Bowling. Are we there yet? Yes. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, with LA traffic, you never know. We never know. Yes. Isn't Mary Jo driving? <laughs> well, that's true. Are there any toll roads? Anything we need to know? No, not Waze yet. takes us outside around the toll roads. So okay. Um, are we going to put this, uh, the link to, um, we're, we're, what we're talking about is we have a map that Mary Jo's put together that looks really, really cool. Are we putting that in the show notes or on Facebook that way everybody can see it? Yes. Okay, uh, cool. Right now the map is, anybody who has a link can see the map. Okay. They can view it. Um, later on I might make it public, but then again, why should I when people can go to our yeah, show yeah. and see the yep. link there? So I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes page and also on Facebook so you can follow yeah. along while you listen. But for those and, of you who do get the link, if you want to share it with family members or friends, um, feel free. They'll be able to see the same thing you do. And our friends listening live on Mixler have the link, so they are following along as well. And I'm waving at them right now. All right, Mary Jo. <laughs> wow. Where are we starting? Are we starting, are we starting at Disneyland? We are starting at Disneyland. And I just wanted to give a little... Uh, we always start at Disneyland. That, okay. That's our home base. Um but I just want to give a little overview. You know, I, I often take our Disney friends around Los Angeles, and so does Nancy. Mm-hmm. And they often want to visit sites that, that only us Disney fans really appreciate. And we might take them to one or, or another, but I have pretty much visited all the sites that I'm going to talk about today at different times. The, and also, I, I do want to note that there is the Bob Gurr History Trail bus tour um, that I recently talked about and I took. And if you get the opportunity to take one of his tours that are still going on, um, given the, the third Sunday of the month, then I recommend that you take it. But not everyone can take this opportunity to take his tour. And we'll have a, a link in our show notes to his tour also. But today's segment is going to take us to some of these sites related to Walt Disney, I've plotted them out on Google Maps, as Thomas said, and I named my map Walt's LA because all of these sites are sites that Walt Disney um, had either influenced him, he he had um, some type of relationship, whether he lived there, had studios there, or dreamed there. Um, right now, the, the map is available um, by the link only. Tom has that link and he's going to add it to our show notes page and Facebook if he feels like it. And hopefully I'll give you an idea of places to visit that are related to Walt Disney when you don't have Nancy, Bob Gurr, or me to take you around. (laughs) Okay, so today uh, we're going to visit places he's lived, places that have inspired him or nourished him, and places that live to bring that Disney magic to us through film and the parks. Many of them may sound familiar and that's probably because you've already heard of them on one of Michael's Walt Disney historical segments that he's done here um, on our Disneyland show or with connecting with Walt that he does with Craig Williams. 
the core, or that he's going to talk about from what we heard tonight. Um, the cool thing about visiting these sites on your own is that you can tailor your trip to be as long or as short as you'd like, depending on your time frame. So I recommend, as always, leaving the Disneyland Resort sometime after breakfast, maybe around 9.30 or so, so you miss that morning commute traffic and you have something in your belly before you go. You'll be taking the five freeway pass downtown Los Angeles um, to the 101 freeway to get to Walt's LA. Our first stop takes us to the beginning of Walt in LA, um, of Walt when he came to Los Angeles. Walt Disney followed his brother Roy out to Los Angeles in the summer of 1923. And with very little money, um, he didn't really have many options of places to stay. So he first lived with his uncle Robert Disney and he rented a room there for about five bucks a month. Michael will correct me where I'm wrong. <laughs> and when he lived there, they converted their freestanding garage to a cartoon studio. And he did his first work in Los Angeles at that studio. The studio itself is, um, does, isn't there. But if you listen to Connecting with Walt, you'll hear more about what's happening with it. Um, and there's been some controversy in the news because his house was going to be demolished. And due to some people standing up for the Disney history and the generous agreement by the current owners, it looks like the house is going to be staying. And they might be doing some more cool things um, that us Disney enthusiasts will appreciate. And, and for anybody who cares about history. And the garage is currently in a museum in Garden Grove. So Garden Grove is near Disneyland, mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who, who don't museum? recognize the name. Do you know what museum? Uh, you know, I do not. I'll, if I can find that out as we're talking here. I do have another correction. Mary Jo, he came out with a suitcase and a dream. You're right. <laughs> he came out with a suitcase and a dream and... And very little money. <laughs> but but Uncle Robert wasn't going to let him live with just that dream in his house for very long. I wouldn't either. Now, now I've got that song <laughs> in my mind. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, the drive from the Disneyland Resort to Uncle Robert Disney's house will take you about an hour. But once you're in the area, everything else is pretty close, as you'll see. For those taking notes, the address of Uncle Robert Disney's house is 4406 Kingswell Avenue. But you can refer to the Google map to map it out. Um, here you, you take the 5 to the 101 North to Silver Lake, which is the street. And those of you who go to California Adventure and have been in the Fiddler Fiverr and Practical Cafe should recognize that name. Then you go to Virgil uh, Street and then to Kingswell. So it's pretty easy to get there. Uh, keep in mind that these areas that I'm going to talk about are pretty much their residential areas and not tourist spots. So if you want to visit these homes, um, you kind of need to be respectful. If there's people standing in front of their houses, you don't take pictures of them or ask them to move out of the way so you can take your picture in front of their house that they live in now. I have an answer just, for you. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> it's at the Stanley Ranch Museum. It's on Euclid huh. Street in Garden Grove. Oh, Euclid. I've never heard mm -hmm. of that one. And on their sign, it says Walt Disney's first garage studio, 1923. I bet you Kevin Kidney knows all about it. Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah. That anyway, would be, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go visit. You no, yeah, thank you. I used you. to cut by that house all the time when I was on my way to work when I, when I worked at the hospital in Hollywood. Yep. It's right. It's all in your neck of the woods, Nancy. Um, Dang. 
But anyway, so if you do want to take a photo um, in front of the house, just be sure that there's no people there and take your photo and then go on. And from what I hear, Walt was encouraged by his uncle to move after a few months living with them. So he moved into a duplex across the street for another few months and he moved in with his brother, Roy. And the address there is 4409 Kingswell Avenue, right across the street. And then they lived in a few other apartments and I'm not going to go into those because we really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but they because did. They, they're just a bunch of piddly little houses. Well, they just yeah. moved around and stuff like yeah. that. So. During this time, uh, he worked out of a small studio behind a realty office just down the street from his uncle's house. And today that storefront is a Los Feliz copy store. There's a big Mickey Mouse emblem in, I'm holding my hands out so you can see the size of it. Uh, <laughs> it that's an impressive size. Wow. <laughs> there's a big Mickey Mouse emblem in the storefront window that says, First Walt Disney Studio, 1923. And it was here at this studio that the Alice comedies were first created and where Walt first met his future wife, Lillian, when she was a... An ink and paint girl. Ink and paint mm-hmm. girl. I knew, I, I couldn't think of the word. Um, this location is just down the street from Uncle Robert Disney's house and would probably take a minute or two to get there. So it's well worth a trip while you're in the area to see where it all started. That uh, The address for that place is 4649 Kingswell Avenue, Los Angeles. So same street. Walt then married Lillian, lived in a couple of other small apartments. Um, one was demolished. One is still standing. Um, the other one that was demolished has been replaced with a nursery. And that one's located at 1307 North Commonwealth Avenue, Los Angeles. I don't have that mapped on my, um, on the map though, because these again, these are just apartments that he lived in for a few months while he was getting his bearings and working probably day and night in the studios, uh, with these cartoons. With the success of their Alice comedies, Walt and Roy were able to get their first animation studio on Hyperion in 1926. It was at this studio that Oswald the Lucky Rabbit was born. And with the loss of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit to Charles Mintz, Michael tells us all about it in his, I believe it was connecting with Walt, Michael, or was it with the Disneyland history? You know, I think I told part of it on Disneyland and part of it was connecting with Walt. Okay, so you need to every you need yeah. to listen to all of his historical mm-hmm. stories, um, but with the loss of Oswald the Rabbit, Walt Disney had to come up with a new idea or lose the studios. And of course, we all know that Mickey Mouse was born. And um, just like I said, for a more in depth and more interesting rendition of the Disney history, listen to Michael's segments where he talks about it. Thank you. Now, in addition. Ahead, and just Nancy. a just a quick, if they want to pop over two blocks to the Prospect Studios right there, a little history about that Prospect Studios is it, it is actually now still owned by ABC and Disney, but that was the original I Love Lucy Studios. Lucy actually owned um, the the studios there as well. That was Desi Lou. Was it called Desi Lou at the time? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So the Desi Lou Studios were are now the Prospect Studios. Yeah. I, I've I been believe to those that I believe that so correct. many times. Yes. Okay. I saw. I used to watch a bunch of game shows over there because I have a friend that worked there. But that's not part of the map. I'll add other places it's to go visit. Actually, when you click on your link, it's just to the left of well, of Uncle Robert's house. I mean, okay. just to the right of Uncle Robert's house when they're on the map when they're zooming in. Oh, it's cool. two blocks over, literally. 
Okay, so like I said, everything is right there. So it's it's very convenient to travel around. But I will put that address down for the Prospect Studio since those still do belong to Disney. Or they I'm do belong sorry. to Disney now. Actually, I might have been wrong on that one. Okay. okay um, I, I do know I where they're located. Somebody's. Yeah, I do know where they're located, so I'll, I'll map them and I'll add them on at the bottom of the map. Um, okay. I'm sorry, Dizzy Lou, Desi Lou was actually part of Paramount in Hollywood. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I'll go back and go back to the Prospect Studios. I know it was... Um, That's how Star Trek became part of Paramount. Because it was a Desi Lou production originally. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. We can thank Lucille Ball for Star Trek. I'm yeah. really, I'm sorry, I'm really taking you off on a tangent here. <laughs> you are, but I, I think I read that somewhere. But well, okay, so back to the. Uh, Actually, Disney that was the ABC's Television Center's West. Sorry, and okay. it was the Vitagraph Studios, um, and it was where uh, Warner Brothers shot portions of the Jazz Singer, mm. and American Bandstand recorded there. Yeah, and, and a lot of oh, a lot of game shows. Lawrence Welk, Barney Miller, Benson Soap. I actually saw some of those shows back in the seventies. Let's make a deal, newlywed game. But okay, let's go back kids, to Walt in LA. In the car. Okay, there we go. Woo! <laughs> so come on, co-pilot. In addition to Mickey Mouse, um, we're we're back at the Hyperion Studios. In addition to Mickey Mouse, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs were also created here as well as other major animation features during that time. And when you go visit the studios today, um, you're really not going to see much because there's a huge Gelson's Market standing there now. Um, but it could be handy if you want some bottled water or something. <laughs> yep. You it's a nice s- Gelson's. Gelson's is expensive, though. Yeah. It's tell kind people of cool, that. though. If you've- I've never been to Gelson's, so I think that would be cool. Oh. But yeah. you'll also see a historical marker on a pole that says, Point of Historical Interest, Site of Walt Disney's Original Animation Studio in Los Angeles, 2719 Hyperion Avenue, 1926 to 1940. Um, this sign was put up in October of 1976. So I was, when I saw that sign, I, I was kind of thrilled that they have a historical marker there to mark the spot of the original studios. Having said that, if you go around the corner behind Gelson's, um, they still have some of the original studios. There are some bungalows that were part of the studios. Mm-hmm. And the name of the street is Griffith Park Boulevard. You'll see them on the right-hand side, and you really can't miss them because you'll see a squarish type of apartment building. And then right next to it, these very charming buildings that kind of look a little bit like Snow Whitish type architecture not very fancy but they've got the um the turrets and they've got like brick peeking through the cement and stuff so it looks or through the stucco excuse me so you can when you see it you'll say this is what mary jo was talking about when she was talking about the hyperion studios and again that's where snow white and some of the other animated features were were filmed or excuse me were created The studios themselves were torn down in 1968. And the drive from the first studio to the first real studio, the Hyperion studio, is less than 10 minutes. I do recommend getting out of your cars to see the historical sign, take pictures, and then get back in your cars to go see the other stu- the other part, the bungalows that I was talking about. And so to move forward, when Oswald the Lucky Rabbit was born, 
Walt and Roy had enough money to move out of the apartments and into their own homes. So if you're looking on the map, you'll see that the next stop is a home. And that's Walt and Roy's matching homes. So though they had been living in separate areas, they decided to get lots right next to each other. And by the way, the lots at that time were $1,000 each. And then they got these home kits. It was build your own home. And they mm -hmm. built their matching homes next to each other. The kits were ready to assemble and included cabinets, nails, doors, windows, screens, hardware, even paint, and an instruction manual so you could build your build your own house. Kind of like that goofy. giant Lego box of the castle that they have now, mm -hmm. but on a bigger scale. I right? like the goofy cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> but but this is you know, and maybe maybe Walt had something when they made the goofy cartoons where he remembered when they were <laughs> yes. building these yeah. houses. And right? and house kits were common in those times. You could yes. get them through Sears at one yep. point. Sears Roebuck. I think that's crazy, but yeah, mm -hmm. they sold thousands of them in, in Southern California. So you know, you just kind of want to go around that neighborhood and see how many are so similar to each other. But um, the the homes are two bedrooms, one bath, and they were a thousand sixty six square feet. They came in twelve thousand pieces via boxcar in August of nineteen twenty six, and by the time they were done, um, the homes with the lots cost each brother around eight thousand dollars. When you visit the homes today, Waltz, you can notice Waltz and and Roy's. Waltz is the one on the corner with the little stained glass insert in his window. He had to have a little extra something on his home, and he has a green roof. Um, they lived in these homes from December 1927 to the fall of 1933. And just as a side note, this home is really close to the John Marshall High School, which has some famous alumni, including Leonardo DiCaprio, Heidi Fleiss, Judge Lance Ito, Julie Newmark, who was, um, I believe, the original Catwoman, Michelle mm -hmm. Phillips, and others. The, the high school has also been in several movies and TV series shows, including Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Nightmare on Elm Street, Lucas Tanner, for those of us who remember those days, The Wonder Years, Boy Meets World, Sister, Sister, Pretty in Pink, Grease, Space Jam, and others, many others. So even though they lived near this high school, um, the girls were already, the, the, they moved before their, um, girls were, were born. Mm -hmm. This home itself is right around um, the corner from Gelson's. In fact, you can see the high school from Gelson's. So it's less than five minutes by car. I recommend parking by the high school and kind of walking to the home to stretch your legs and minimize cars in front of the house, in front of the two houses. Um, we had no problems taking our pictures in front of them. You can do the same. Just again, re remember that they are homes with people living in them and you don't want to take pictures of, of <coughs> the residents in front of their houses. And a funny kind of a story, sort of, when I went on the Bob Greer tour and we went to these homes, um, I thought that there were a lot of religious schools in the neighborhood. And then I realized that we were just circling the same area because the bud, the bus had to maneuver its way through the neighborhoods. So we were going down this, the same area, but different streets. So I kept seeing the same building from all four different angles, but thinking it was four different um, schools. And I think we went past. Nancy's former, um, where you used to work, Nancy, when we yeah. were in that area also, because I recognized it. And I was like, okay. But um, the address for these homes is 2495 Lyric Avenue. And you'll see that on the map when you hover over it. It lights, it uh, shows up on there. Okay, so 
To move along with Mickey Mouse and his first Oscar under his belt, Walt set out to build a beautiful English and French-style mansion. The family was expanding because Lillian was expecting, and they needed more room. So they got architect Frank Crowhurst to design their their house, and he designed a 12-room home with a pool, theater, and gymnasium. They lived in this home on 4053 Walking Way from the fall of 1933 until 1950. And back in those days, there was a lot more land to be had. And so their 6,300 square foot home sat on a lot that was almost an acre and a half. This beautiful home is on a narrow road, a little over a five minute drive from their home on Lyric Avenue. And the area is beautiful, but the house is kind of easy to miss because it's behind a brick and wrought iron fence plus a hedge but you can still see the top of the house you can see the second story and see the entrance to the house if you want to go over there and see see it Uh, a couple years ago this house was on the market so it made the news that they had sold the walt disney home this is the home that they were talking about that they sold um again it's 4053 walking way and this house is also on a hill, so it overlooks LA. It's just a beautiful, beautiful area. Yeah. And this is also, um, I think it's a significant place because this is where they raised the Disney girls for 17 years before they moved. The home sits in the Los Feliz area, which means the happy area. And it's not too far from Griffith Park, so it's really easy to imagine Walt Disney taking his daughters on those weekend days to the park to ride the merry-go-round. So if you want to kind of like think about, you know, the the ride that Walt Disney took when he took his girls, then I definitely go um, to the carousel or to the Griffith Park merry-go-round from this house. It's a, again, it's about a 10 minute drive to go there. But since you left the, Disneyland about 9.30 or so. It could be lunchtime. So what I would recommend is taking a break at this time and going to the Tamashaner. Mm-hmm. And I did talk about the Tamashaner more in detail. Tom, I mean, Michael, you've eaten there. It's several times. Mm-hmm. Nancy, have you had lunch and dinner? There, I have. Or? I've had both. Nancy, what about you? I've had both. And Tom, have you eaten there yet? No, ma'am. All right. Really? Next time you come out, we need to take you to Tam. You cannot come to LA and not go to Tamashaner. That's that's um. We we have to rectify that. Okay, so I recommend going there. You can you can either go there for lunch or go there at dinner time. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Um, even though I did do a segment, I'll just kind of remind everybody that it's a Scottish pub. It opened in 1922. And it was one of Walt Disney's favorite places to eat. It was pretty close to the Hyperion Studios that he worked at, not too far from his home. So he enjoyed eating there so much that there's a table dedicated to him. To him. It's about a 10-minute drive from Walking Way. Or walking way. Um, I told you these places are kind of located near each other. And the address is 2980 Los Feliz Boulevard. And even if this place weren't one of Walt Disney's favorite places to eat, it's a Lowry's original restaurant. And the theming is so much fun. It's worth the visit. I, if it doesn't have a historical emblem on it, it should. Um, because it is a historical spot in Los Angeles. Um, during lunchtime, they have a carving station with various meat sandwiches that you can order. Or you could just order off the menu. 
If you decide to leave the tam for your evening meal, expect Lowry's dinner full dinner prices. So you're talking about a ten dollar jump in your meal price. Yep. But choose what's best for you. If you want the, I'm talking maybe about fifteen dollar lunch versus twenty five to thirty dollar dinner. Um, whatever the experience you want to get, be sure you take your time there. It's it is a a pub, so they have a a full bar there. They have tartans all over the place um, to represent the different clans and it's just there's just a lot to see when you're over there there's also some artwork from um, Disney artists as you enter in there and there's some other uh, sort of Disney memorabilia there yeah Yeah, which is really neat yeah in fact above the table 31 there's a there's a rendition of Walt Disney eating at the table Mm -hmm. well that was his favorite table he liked to sit there and he because he could see the whole dining room and he could also talk because uh, and because it is in a corner and he so he could also you know have conversations and not be easily overheard yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool and he had another Uh, table out in the sort of the lounge area that was also his favorite if you ask the servers there, they'll show they'll tell you about those, and they'll also show you John Wayne's favorite table, mm-hmm. and um, some of the other actors that used to frequent uh, frequent um, that restaurant. And celebrities still go there. You know, our famous you know ABD trip, we famously saw Dick Van Dyke, who came over and chatted with us. I think you guys all geeked out when that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And and I've been there a couple of times, and I've seen. You know other celebrities as well. So anyway, it's it's neat. It, I've, it's I've gone place. there and seen no celebrities, but it hasn't taken the charm away from me. Fantastic for, prime rib! Such oh my gosh. good prime rib and the and the roast beef sandwiches at lunch. Hot roast beef sandwiches are excellent. So is their I, brisket sandwich mm-hmm. is I, excellent. I was going to say I love their onion soup. Their onion soup is oh, absolutely delicious. Their French, their French onion, onion soup, soup. Oh and their gosh, ice cream sundaes have imported um, imported hot fudge. Mm. I haven't tried. Really, I'm always good. too full for dessert, but that sounds really good. Okay, Tom, oh, when you no, go, they, they have. I know you like ice that, cream. <laughs> that favorite, that favorite um, English hot fudge. I can't remember the brand, but it's like really, really famous. And it's not Cadbury, is it? Mm-mm. You'll think oh. it. It's really but they good. also oh, have I'll really good and... fish and... Oh, and there's seafood. Yeah. I had this one seafood dish that had kind of a creamy sauce to it. I can't even remember. I think it was a special on the menu that day. And it was way to die for. Yeah, they had a couple of fish um, items when we were there. Their fish and chips, regular fish and chips, is also delicious. But... In addition to the food being really good and and the atmosphere, another kind of a cool thing about Walt's table, which is table 31, is that there's etchings on the table. And the etchings have been embellished by the Imagineers, and they have to do with the World's Fair, the 1964 World's Fair. So if you look carefully or if you take pencil and paper and you do a rubbings on it, you'll see Primeval World. And it was funny because I was talking about that and the server didn't know what she didn't know what that's what that it said primeval world and she, she could tell me I was trying to figure out what that word was but there there's a couple of dolls from um it's a small world etched in there and other things etched into the table so they were they were just kind of like 
light scratches, but the Imagineers took the table and then they made it a little bit deeper because they realized the significance um, of it. So I, if you can, if you can eat there, I recommend going there. Um, and as Michael said, there's a couple of posters that the Imagineers drew for the owner showing him and his son and Disney characters on, on the walls on two opposite walls. When you first walk in, um, my favorite is Tinkerbell with the little tam in her hat. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I mean, cute. on her head. That one's cute. Yeah. That one's really cute. Cece Brown's Hot Fudge. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of that. So it's no. good. And I, it might have been the salmon I had. Yeah. That's we, on we, the menu. Or, but it might have been a special evening thing. But yeah. Yum. All, I'm getting hungry just reading this menu now. Yeah. All their food's really good. And like I said, it's an original Lowry's restaurant. So it's good quality. And you'll see Lowry's... Um, spices on the table but you really don't need them because the food's so good oh and, and mac whether and cheese you, with the gouda it's good so whether you leave from the tamashaner or waltz home on walking way it's again just about a 10 minute drive to the griffith park merry-go-round which is where we're going next and the merry-go-round has been around in what seems to be forever and it kind of looks like it but i encourage you to take a ride if you can it's kind of a fast merry-go-round it's a lot faster than the one at disneyland but it's really cool. I've been on it a couple of times. Um, the last time being when Bob Gurr, uh, when we went on the tour with him and I sat right behind him. And by the way, he has a lifetime pass to go on that merry-go-round whenever he feels like it. It's open on weekends throughout the year, weekdays during the summer and over the Christmas and Easter vacations. It opens at 11 o'clock a.m. to 5 p.m. And it costs a couple of dollars to ride. Inside the merry-go-round, even if you don't ride it, like when people are getting off and on, go towards the back wall and you'll see a little tribute to Walt Disney. They've got um, one of the original benches that he sat on and they've got a, a carousel, I, I mean a horse over there and some other memorabilia and, and a little placard talking about Walt Disney and how he got the inspiration for Disneyland while he was sitting on that bench. A lot of us know that story. Built in 1926 by the Spillman Engineering Company, it was brought to Griffith Park in 1937. The merry-go-round has 68 horses. Everyone's a jumper. Each horse is finely carved with jewel-encrusted bridles, detailed draped blankets, and decorated with sunflowers and lion's heads. There is a Stinson 165 military band organ. It's reputed to be the largest band organ accompanying a carousel on the West Coast. It plays over 1,500 selections of marches and waltz music. Despite its age, the merry-go-round is still enjoyed by locals. There's always people there writing it. And it also has been used in various movies and television shows. And if you're facing, I'm trying to think, if, if you're facing the carousel, with the wall of the carousel in front of you and the entrance to the left, the, you buy the tickets on the right. The bench on the left-hand side, that's where Walt Disney, this is what Bob Gurr told us. The bench on the left-hand side is where Walt Disney used to sit and contemplate, there's got to be something better than this as he watched his daughter's ride. Hmm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, he, he pointed it out when we were there. So, um... Beyond the merry-go-round and another 10-minute drive past the L.A. Zoo this time is Walt's Barn. Walt built his barn 
1950 at his Carolwood home in Holmby Hills. It served as his workshop and he built miniatures and model trains. In 1999, the Disney family had the barn moved to its current location at the Los Angeles Life Steamers Railroad Museum. Um, and I didn't know this, but Walt Disney was a founding member of that museum. Yeah, we Today, talked about that in the show. Okay, I didn't remember. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Today, the barn is open to the public on the third Sunday of each month. And whether or not you take Bogger's tour, it's nice to schedule your visit, if you can, on the third Sunday of any month so that you could see the barn. Or you'll be like me the first time I went there and all I could do was look through the gates and say, oh, yeah, his barn's through these gates. But um, the, the visit itself is pretty neat. The barn is incredible uh, for anybody who's been there. There's a lot of memorabilia. And it's going to take some time to go through. You know, you, you could... You can take as much time or as little time. They take donations, but there's no charge when you walk, when you go into to the barn itself. So uh, that's another cool thing. Now, we're definitely in Nancy's neck of the woods and also close to the current Walt Disney Studios that are located in Burbank. Um, the studios, again, are about a five to ten minute drive from the Walt's barn and are located on 500 South Buena Vista Street. Look. You'll recognize Buena Vista as that being the um, the logo for many of the movies back in the olden days, right? Mm-hmm. When you go there, you want to go to the other side on the, to the Alameda entrance. So you want to go around the corner to Alameda Street. And if you go where the entrance is there, you can't go in the studios, but you can park by the entrance there. And you can see there's a... It's the Team Disney building, and it has the seven dwarves holding up the roof. You can see that from the entrance. So that's what we did. We went to the entrance. We stood there. We took pictures. Um, you can't stand in the street or the guard will yell at you, like he yelled at us. But you could stand next to the street, the driveway in, and take pictures of the seven dwarves. And just kind of look at the buildings and the architecture. They have music notes on one building, and they have other architecture and also driving around that area you're going to see the animations uh, building that was dedicated to Roy Disney and has a big um, sorcerer's hat over there. Yeah you're just going to go around the corner um, from the entrance down Keystone and then take Keystone down to Riverside and come back around the corner. So it's just driving a big square around the studios. It's and, a very large square, and then yeah. you can actually see then where your where the original Disneyland was supposed to be. Yeah, that's true. That. So again, it's and it it may not sound like much, but when you're there at the studios, it's really cool to see all of this. And again, if you refer to the map, you'll see um, Walt Disney Studios. That's where we're looking at. Um, the only way for the public to actually go into the studios these days is either by going on a Adventures by Disney backstage tour. Um, I think Michael's the only one of our group who's actually been on one. Mm-hmm. And you went, you were, a, you toured the studios, right? Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I've done a couple of the D23 tours as that, well. Yeah, that was the other way. If you join D23, they have events there at the studios. And like Michael, I've been able to do a couple of things with D23. I was able to see um, Saving Mr. Banks at the studios through D23. And then we, we're able to do a, a tour of the studios uh, without a guide, just walking through, which was really cool. 
And then last Christmas, I was there with Leslie and one of our listeners, Krista, was there also with D23, enjoying the studios with all of its decor, which was really nice. So, Tom, let me ask you, have you been yeah. to the studios? Yes, uh, two or three times. Yes. Okay, so we've all, Nancy, you've been there quite a few times, I think. Yes. So, it's, um, I was actually there when they, when they dedicated the animation building to Roy Disney. That was a D23, um, event where that we could go and see that and then go watch the movies, watch some movies in there. So, um, if you are part of D23, keep your eye out. It's, they're neat to visit. If you're not part of D23, oh. you can still see them from the outside. Go ahead. You forgot one other way. Your Disney Movie Rewards points. Oh, right. I didn't know they about that. They have the tours. Yes. Mm-hmm. They, they have two they have tours, the tours I actually got to accompany two of our great listeners from New York and a friend from Canada when we all went together, and that was a lot of fun. So how does that work? <laughs> you save up a crap load of points. From every, there's a code inside every um, Disney movie you purchase. And you can get points and, uh, in other way, too, like so Disney yeah. movie tickets and stuff like that. You have to remember to submit your codes all the time and submit your tickets and stuff. But you also have to save the actual paper for this one, right? I think so. You do, for Yeah, you do have to save on the DVDs, Blu-rays. There's a little tiny square, you know, like that you have to cut out. It's a little proof of purchase kind of thing, yeah. which I didn't know about right away. So, um, yeah, so you do have to have those. But that is another way you can... And and those tours are really fun. They're sponsored by Disney Visa. And so they give you a little private... um, They give you a little private guide who works for um, an independent... Like ours was a gal who had done some vocal work for Disney. And who actually... um, was I think one of the people running the uh, the card giveaways and the sing-alongs and stuff at D twenty three? Lisa something or other. Really fun, very personal. They buy you a Starbucks. They have a great time. Okay, so there's a lot of options. I mean, not a lot, but yeah. there's a few options that people can take to go into the into the studios if they have those opportunities. But if not, then seeing them from the outside is still kind of still pretty cool. Um, and Keith's asking, are the archives at the studios? Yes, yes they and I are. just answered him. Yeah, in the Frank G. Wells building, which is the one with the music notes. Which yeah, is where I've the never, Starbucks is. I don't think I've ever seen the archives, but if on the ABD tours and some of the other tours, you guys have seen them. Mm-hmm. I thought they were at the Imagineering studio, so that's mm-hmm. good to know. Okay, one of these days, I'll see what, if I can hook you up there, Mary Jo. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Um, the Burbank Studios are just part of the Disney Studios, with other locations being the Golden Oaks Ranch, which is just north of Los Angeles, less than an hour, the KBC7 Studio B, and the Prospect Studios that Nancy was talking about a little bit earlier. After um, Moving on, after visiting the Burbank Studios, and if you'd like to explore a little bit more from the outside, um, then head back over to, to Glendale. The address is 1401 Flower Street, and this is the one, um, Walt Disney Imagineering. What is that building you have? It's the 
I was going to say. <laughs> the Walt Disney Imagineering, that's a headquarters building. It looks yeah, like there's a circus so tent, many huge buildings there. Oh, okay. But um, for Walt Disney Imagineering, if you, you guys can scroll into the map, right? And you could see, you could see there. Um, yeah. We actually went there with, with Bogger. He couldn't take us inside. I think Michael has seen more of it than I'll be able to, to talk about. But one of the cool things is when you're driving around these buildings, um, let me just, when you're driving around the buildings, the way you can uh, tell that they're the imaginary buildings is that they have circular, they have oval plaques for the addresses, just like the cast member badges. Mm-hmm. So when you yep. see an address with an oval placard, um, set in an oval placard, then you know that's the Walt Disney Imagineering. Again, this is going to be about a 15-minute, 10, 15-minute drive from the Burbank Studios. And you'll be going on the freeway, but following the map, you'll get there pretty quickly. Um, and you'll be driving us among some of the buildings where the most creative ideas have been conceived and that currently are being worked out for the Disney parks around the world. Um, to my knowledge, only an ABD trip will take you behind the scenes here. But imagine the coolest things that you can and think beyond, and that's what's happening at the Imagineering Studios. But does D23 still do um, D23 days at because of Glendale? Yes. Okay. So next to the Walt Disney Imagineering, um, I don't have it marked, but the Mickey's of Glendale is right next to it. And that's that Imagineering actually, story. Actually, when that, they zoom in, the, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll be able to see the building. The map actually is marked on your link. Yeah. The map is marked, but not my links on the yes. left-hand side. But, but yeah, you'll, you'll see Mickey's <laughs> of Glendale when you zoom in. And for those of us who haven't been able to go... Um, with the specials and the offers, I think we, at the D23 Expo, they bring a bunch of merchandise from Mickey's of Glendale. We could get them, but how cool would it be to actually go there and, and spend our money? I, mm-hmm. I think that quite a few Dizzers have spent, they've probably, um, validated about eight salaries there for the year, I think, just from the Diz. Driving around there, you're going to see um, quite a few of these buildings. Um, and I think one of them that Bob Gurr was telling us about is they would actually, they were actually driving um, the people mover in there when they created the people mover. And they would practice in there and the cars for Utopia. And there's another building where they have virtual reality where if you guys saw Jurassic World, you know how uh, she's walking through and the dinosaurs in the middle of the room. He said it's like that. You you can see you can see prototypes or or it's kind of hard to explain, but what they're planning to build, they actually have them in three D for you to see them inside the buildings. Of course, we can't see that, but even being near it is pretty cool. If you drive a little bit further or farther, excuse me, you come to an old airfield, and that's the where I show the Walt Disney Imagineering with the airplane on it. Um, it was quite significant in our Los Angeles history. It's located at 1310 Airway in Glendale. It's known as the Grand Central Airport. This airfield was built in 1928, and if you're on Grand Central Avenue, you're actually on the spot of the old runway that was um, that used to be there, but they dug it up to build a street. And if on the sidewalk, you can see where it says something like airway or airport for the airplanes when they were landing, they could see that was the runway. 
At one time, the building belonged to Western Airlines when it first started up. It was used by Charles Lindbergh, Amelia Earhart. She bought her first airplane there. Laura Ingalls, um, not the one that we know, but another Laura Ingalls, was the first woman to fly solo across the country from there. Howard Hughes built his record-setting H1 racer there. And then this one's special to me. Jack Northrup started his avian aviation company on the field there um, in the beginning, which was bought out by a guy named William Boeing. Um, he eventually took the business to the current Bob Hope New Airport. And it's kind of interesting to me that Northrop and Boeing are still vying and competing against each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My brother works for Boeing. <laughs> yeah. Well, we won't talk about that. Yeah. So yeah. currently the building, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this building is owned by the Walt Disney Imagineering. And if you look mm-hmm. at the building, from Grand Central Avenue, on the right-hand side is where Bob Gurr's office used to sit up on the second floor. So just know that Walt Disney Imagineering still uses the building. Um, they share it with the city. They do cool things over there. But it's a very historical uh, place, especially um, in the Los Angeles and Glendale area. Several movies have been filmed there, including Howard Hughes' Hell's Angels back in 1930, Shirley Temple's Bright Eyes, Secret Service of the Air with Ronald Reagan, as well as others. Yep. And while you're in the area, were you going to say something, Nancy? Oh, no, I was just yupping. There's so okay. much history, and oh, they refer yeah. to the Grand Central Terminal all throughout the area. So, you know, even, um, I was going to say even um, um, DreamWorks, which is just down on the corner of the studio, if you if you scroll your map down... Um, Past over by the actual ABC studio, um, which is the actual broadcast tower. If you see a bunch of really nice looking roofs, that is a Spanish style building. That's all DreamWorks. Yeah, so it says DreamWorks it right there. Is tucked right next to it, and it's actually it's actually a neat little complex. We went to um, an open house event there one time that they were just broadcasting through, you know, opening up to the neighborhood. And uh, there was lots of stuff about the, the air terminal. Did you notice that there's uh, Shannon Doubtfire's grilled food is just a little bit up airway? Probably a nod to Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. The, the, this whole area is a neat area to be to drive around in, and it's it's not really known because the buildings are so nondescript. Of course, when you get to DreamWorks, like Nancy said. The entrance is pretty cool. You can tell that it's DreamWorks. And it's, I think it's just neat to know that so many... DreamWorks is right next to Disney, and they're competing with each other. But I bet there's other things that they collaborate with each other. They're so close. The address for the DreamWorks Studios is 1000 Flower Street. Um, mm-hmm. And we drove past the entrance a few times as we were going up and down looking at the Imagineering... Um, the one thing I will be, I, I, I do want to say at this point is when you're driving through this area, please be careful. There are a lot of stop signs that you just will all of a sudden come apart because a lot of the Disney parking lots are across the street from the campus. So please be careful. Okay. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Stop well, everybody's going to be looky looing as they go through. I know, so exactly. they're not going to be yeah. rushing. Gonna, I, I did it the other day when I was cutting through there. But I, I gotta admit, I still not, lucky Lewis. Not not our listeners. Our listeners are gonna be looking. So this is these are basically the the places that, that Walt Disney lived in that 
he ate in, that he was inspired at, and, and what brings um, Disney to us now. And to widen up your visit to the Waltz LA, you may want to pay your respects at the nearby Forest Lawn Memorial Park, which is about 15 minutes away. The park itself is beautiful. You can go over there and you, I marked it on the map, the actual location uh, for his resting place. It's in a place called the Freedom Court. I was taken away with the beauty of this court and the Memorial Park itself. His resting place is a beautiful little garden to the left of the Freedom Mausoleum. You'll see a little small statue of the Little Mermaid. It's a little gated garden. And there's a little stone bench. Just remember that this is a place of reverence. Um, it's due respect. There's people there mourning their loved ones. And you just need to be respectful when you go over there. They have a little gate that you can open go into his little garden. Just be sure you close it when you leave. And when you're there, if you want to see something else that's also beautiful and interesting... They have what they call the Great Mausoleum. Nancy has blogged about it. I've talked about it. But they have a beautiful stained glass um, rendition of the Last Supper that was built for the mausoleum in the 1930s. I believe it was built in 1931 and shipped over from Italy. And there's a little, there's a little talk about the stained glass window. And if the spiel isn't going on, you can ask the guard. They'll play it for you when you go in there. They don't allow cameras in there. Although, um, let me do an addendum to that, because when we were there last weekend, um, when we were there last weekend, you can have your phone out, so don't immediately put your phone away, because the artwork actually has the little, um, the little, um, QR codes, where you scan it with your phone, and it will take you to a website, to a website to link to more information about the artwork that you're looking at. And there are forms out to do this with, especially That's by the, to the, there's one especially by the right of the stained glass. And, um, something else to note about that stained glass, you can get a brochure right at the guard station as you come into the mausoleum. And it's a little trifold brochure. Um, it talks about the history of the, of the window, um, as well as there's another booklet on all of the artworks that are around. And when Nancy says artwork, there's besides painted art, there's sculptures in there. Some of them are, replica, some are originals yeah. and there's a lot of copies. And there, yes. yeah, La Pieta, um, and as well as, as many others. And, um, also located there, um, if, if you want to wander around Sid Grauman from Grauman's Chinese Theaters, resting there in a, Red has Skelton his own is right next to him. Red Skelton is right next to him. Elizabeth Taylor's at the base of a huge angel. I won't tell you exactly where it's at because we're really not supposed to say. Oh, no, um, no, it's okay. Her name is right there on the front of it now. I think that when we first went there, her name wasn't there. No, it, because it was too soon after she was buried. Okay. But it well, is she, right on the bottom of the angel now yeah it's a huge it's what 10 20 feet tall angel it's huge it's huge yeah it's huge when you when you turn the corner you see it in front of you you'll know exactly what we're talking about yeah, but with orchids on either side yeah the, the mausoleum is well worth a visit um it's 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 beautiful and when you leave it and you go to the right there's a little annex and to the left 
And that's where Michael Jackson's final resting place is also. So the, as well, and as well as being a beautiful place, this park, you can see Los Angeles in the distance on a clear day, which is, I think, two days of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe three days of the year. Um, pay your respects to Walt Disney. I remember the first time that I went there and, um, the person I was with was just in tears because of all the joy that he's brought to us and the friendships that we've made because of this man and his dream, his the suitcase in a dream, right, Michael, that, that he came out to L.A. with. That's right. Um, I, again, paying due respects, I do recommend going there. It's beautiful. Um, and that's it for Walt's L.A. I do also have um, mapped out Walt's home at the Carrollwood Drive. But since they demolished his home and there's some place else there, it's not part of this particular tour I'm talking about. However, if you want to drive out there, um, it's, a, it's not 10 or 15 minutes away. It's going to take you some time to get out there. But you can definitely visit it. And then go back and have... Um, you have two choices at this point. You can either go to the nearby Portos, which is a fantastic Cuban bakery um, that they have in Glendale, or make it back to Disneyland, finish your day, and just just enjoy the the magic of the magic kingdom that he this man created for all of us to enjoy for ourselves and with our families. I was gonna say about how long would your would the tour take? Um, I would consider this a three-quarter day tour. Okay. Yeah. Because you're not leaving first thing in the morning, you said, right? Yeah, you're not leaving first thing in the morning. The the places are so close together, and you know, I mean, how long are you going to stare at a house? Right. You're gonna you're gonna yeah. go there and you say, okay, this is where take, he was. This is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, take a picture. You know, and a lot of it is driving, getting out when you want to. The the places I do say you you should get out is the carousel if it's open to go yeah. ride it. Walt Barn, if you go there on the third um, Sunday, Tamashaner, uh, to get some nourishment, just like Walt did, and Walt's final resting place. And then also, like, if you go to the to the home um, where he and Roy had their matching homes, just walk, st- stop by that, that um, the architecture of that high school, the John Marshall High School, is just beautiful. And it's a block away from his house. So it's nice to park there and just walk to his home from there. Mm-hmm. I believe if you do drive out to Carrollwood, uh, the the Walt Disney's gates are still up with his initials in them. So there's something that remains of the original that, estate. I'm so glad you said that. I didn't know that, but it would be cool to have like a like a split screen picture, one of the gates there, and then the the um, Walt Disney Roy Disney gates above. I mean the balcony wrought iron mm-hmm. railing. So so. That's going to be my one of my next stops. It's a fun, it's a an enjoyable way to spend the day. And like I said, for those of us who are Disney fans and appreciate what he's brought to us, it's interesting to see all of these spots. Very cool. All right, thank you, Mary Jo. Thank you, everyone. That's going to do it for this segment of the Design Plugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Design Plugged podcasts this week. And, of course, we will be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.